penalty because he caused the penalty. And you can say Eric Dyer was in a situation that's unfair to him. He was looking at the ball, but let's go. Okay, let's go back to the to the ruling because that's what we, we started this conversation about. For me, my issue about the whole thing is about is basically how um, how all you know pundits. Ex-footballers who are sort of claiming, oh, this is the end of football. This is something that's going to ruin football. I remember, I think it was Les Ferdinand on, on the PLTV production, and who was saying how you know he's not even interested in watching the game anymore because of of of, of this penalty, or he's leaning towards that, where he would switch off the TV because of of a ruling that will happen. Probably, but I don't think it's because of him talking exactly about the penalty, but more but just. Just the, the added, new rules. yeah, the added the um, everything added on, on each other, the, mm. the the offside rule, the um, <laughs> the the offside rule, mm. um, the VAR. It's just for them, it's a bad look on the game. And obviously, these players, you got to understand that they're used to a different type of football. Exactly. And just firstly, looking at their different type of football, it was different back in the day. And there's been a lot of rule changes since. Um, just uh, I mentioned in, in our WhatsApp group during the match, like things like the, the the back pass, the keeper, and all those things. These are the things that have changed and developed and evolved throughout football. So this handball rule, now I know we haven't actually focused on it, but the handball, the new handball rule, speaks about keeping your body, keeping your hands within your body frame or your body shape. So if if you have your hands raised up over your shoulder or you know, away from your body uh, in an extended way, trying to make your body bigger, which footballers might not think they do on purpose, but it happens naturally. And if it's something that happens naturally and it's illegal, it has to be called out. And for me, the point that I have, the issue that I have, is obviously the, the, f- the overreaction of, 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 of people thinking this is the end of football or we're not going to enjoy football. It's the same thing with VAR last season. When VAR came in, people were thinking, oh, it takes away from the, the, in, uh, the interest of the game, the entertainment of the game. You're not sure if a goal will stand. I mean, it's part of it. This will become part of the game. The football becomes part of a product. It's so, 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 but on the handball rule, these are the rules that were in place last season in terms of Europe, and then this season, Premier League officials are focusing on it more. But it's a rule that you can sort of, I, I, I don't want to say work with, because I know people are going to go crazy about that, but it's a rule that is not the be-all and end-all of football. It's, you, people are coming out and saying that now footballers are going to start targeting hands and just crossing in, in the box and trying to target the hand. I mean, that could happen for multiple things and, and people try and, 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 and take advantage of a rule. But that's why referees are there, to judge things on merit. But for me, the handball rule, it's definitely it's not working out because it's also... Um, it's, it's unfortunately not giving defenders any leeway, any chance of surviving an accidental handball, because they do exist. But this also helps the referee take away the whole um, opinion or subjectivity of the rule, where if it hits a hand, oh, but what did he mean it? Was his hand actually extended? But now, like Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer, unfortunately, his hand was above his shoulder, or was at least shoulder length, at least, if not above. So... What is his hand doing there? I know he's not looking at the ball. I know he was jumping for, for, for a header, but the ball went to his hand. And that stopped somehow the ball dropping for another Newcastle player or for clearance, whatever. Whatever you can put, we never know. So it, the rule is there. And unfortunately, as the referees would clearly, they, I know some reports that you know, they're also up in arms about the, uh, about the new rule, but it's the rule and it's there, man. I don't know. It's there, but it's shit. <laughs> and uh, that's the, that's the, that's my whole point. Like, you can't 
the FA or it's IFAB. IFAB, yeah. IFAB, they just find ways to fuck up the use of technology. And every season it's happening. I don't think VR has been sort of a good thing for the Premier League Mm -hmm. um, and football in general. I think, you know, a lot of things were being missed. And I know there's an argument where the element of misjudgment or human error is in the beauty of football, but I I wholeheartedly disagree with that because the refs were, English refs are borderline incompetent. And And they still somehow get, uh, like, I mean, who was, I I can't remember his name now, but the one who who fucked us up in the FA Cup final, he refed the uh, Super Cup final. What's Anthony his name? Taylor. Anthony Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, like, it's tough. But, like, this is something also as well that, you know, in, in, in Serie A, they struggled with last season with, you know, calling the handballs and, and the rule and, and actually implementing the rule. Because that's also, and, and just to what you, you were alluding to, you know, it takes away from, you know, the opinion of the ref, which... We've tried to for a long time. That's what we've been trying to do: take away opinion and vision and what uh, the referees and officials see firsthand. Because think about goal line technology. Goal line technology is something obvious. We all agree it needed to be done, mm. but that takes away from linesmen some duties of the linesman. Now a linesman doesn't have to look at the goal line anymore because he knows goal line technology. And then we saw the Villa Sheffield game last season where they yeah. fucked that up. But also offsides. VAR has taken away somewhat the offside rule from officials where they no longer have to lift their flag up if they're not sure. They just keep it down, let, it, let, it, let the play finish, and then, ah, I, I actually think that was an offside. Then it'll go upstairs. Done. So it kind of takes away from, 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 you know, from, from the man in the middle or the woman in the middle, the person in the middle. But at the end of the day, we, we need to find a balance. I agree. We need to find a balance between you know, letting people who are on the field who are in the match deal with uh, uh, certain calls. And that includes a handball, whether it's it's subjective or not. Because the handball rule has been subjective for a long time, dude. Like, now they've also introduced a T-shirt rule where if it hits, up, uh, like, on the T-shirt, it's not a handball. But if it hits below the T-shirt, it's a handball, like, on the sleeve. Mm. So that is something that I think would make sense, definitely, because you know, surely, if, if the ball hits you on the top of the shoulder, but some of the ball hits the arm, the top of the arm, and you've seen handballs given like that, you ask yourself, how is that even a handball? Because your, your, sh- your shoulder is literally part of your, 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 your torso. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's something, you know, obviously, it's, it's creating a lot of fear now because it's new, and it's, I mean, 26 penalties, I think, were given in the Premier League alone in the first three match days, so that's a hell of a lot. I think last season we only had about uh, 40 or 50 odd penalties, so now 26 match day three. It's going to be hectic, but hey man, we will have to deal with it, but definitely it needs to be relooked in terms of the Premier League, the pace of the Premier League, but also the Premier League must stop trying to veer away from IFAB and the rest of the world's rules, yeah. because this rule came in last season. We would have dealt with this last season and would have you know, moved on in a way, because I think most of the other European leagues have moved on. So this season, you know, the Premier League, <laughs> it's going to be traumatic as, as it has already proven to be. So this is just another twist. Yeah, and just to close off on the handball, I saw sort of a weird decision or weird thing in the Florentina versus Inter game where Martinez sort of kicked the back of the defender's leg and it looked like 
the defender kicked him and he won a penalty. So VAR told him, told the ref to go look at the monitor. He looked at the monitor and reversed the decision, but he had given the defender a yellow card and VAR cannot overturn a yellow card. So it's like... No, but surely, but didn't the ref, because he overturned the decision, they surely should overturn the yellow card? No, because he gave him the card and you can't over, VAR can't overturn that. But in, 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 the, in the Premier League, I guess it was different because it, it turned from yellow to red yeah. in the Premier League, where, like Christensen in the Liverpool game, where... Like even you can't, give a, you can't give a second yellow... Because yes, oh, no. Yeah, you can, you because can, it only becomes serious offense. Yeah. So if it's a first, if it's a red card offense, then they can advise. But if it's a second yellow, they can't really advise because that's still at least leaving some power to the guy in the middle. And for me, the handball, and and unfortunately, so like go back to this quickly the die situation where handball they also ref after checking the handball and the offside, they also ref okay, dude, go look at the monitor. He still gives it. And I know he's obviously following the rule book to the letter. And, you know, body, arm away from the body, arm above the shoulder, automatic handball. And, ah, man, it gives it to them. And, and for me, we'll have to get used to it. We will get used to it. Defenders will learn as, as they have already. they change this thing quick first. But how can they change it mid-season? And Premier League is not uh, IFAB. But they're going to they're <laughs> have to do something because the season cannot go with this many penalties. But that's why I said. The season, it's starting like this because it's new and I feel like they will have to be taught, yo, keep your hands to your body, bro. No. Keep your hands to your you body. Or take the chance. You can't jump. You, yeah, as you can't jump and you, you I understand, but not all, like you, you can jump with your hands up but and, and the ball will not always hit your head. But that, that one time, you better hope you're not in the box. Yeah, but the frequency, <laughs> I think, is going to be... Like, imagine in a, in a dire situation, Andy Carroll has been hitting the ball for, what, 20, 15 years, not 15, but like 12 years, mm. maybe. He, ball coming in, that, that guy can aim with his head like nobody's business. He can be like, okay... Uh, Vatong, oh, Vatongan, because I said it before. Aldevarad's hands in the air. Let me just head it in there, and it's. But but I think we're giving footballers we we give footballers little credit when it comes to them adapting to the rule and hiding their hands, or not hiding their hands, but like keeping their heads close to their body, because that's all they have to do. Even if it's up, just keep it close to your body. You can I don't know if <laughs> like literally physically and uh, if you can jump with your hands close to your body, but we give them little credit of doing that of able to adapt to a new rule, but then we give him so much credit in terms of targeting and aiming balls into other people's hands. Yeah, purposefully. that's sort of natural body actions where if you're in the box, for example, mm-hmm. and you're marking uh, Mares, mm-hmm. quick quick feet, but and now you've got to change direction quickly. Mm-hmm. And you don't change with your arms to your to your side. You're gonna It's going to be in a kind of unnatural position. And he just flicks it, not intentionally, of course, but he flicks it on your hand. It's a pen. But it's so. Do you do you do you agree with the ruling of of that your hands needs to be close to your body, because or, or natural body position? Because where do they get that term, uh, natural body position? Because you say it's natural, obviously, to fling your arms when you do certain movements. So where do IFAB or the rule the lawmakers get that your your hands need to stay in a sort of like uh, body shape, your body in and around your body? Because you, if, you, if you say, like, we go back to the Sissoko in, in the Champions League final, where he was pointing, that's a natural term. That's a natural uh, uh, thing to do when you're a defender or defending the situation. Point, tell your fellow defender, yo, mark the space. And then, boom, the ball gets hit on your hand. It's definitely not intentional, but also his hands were away from his body. But it's also quite a natural movement. No, I think it's that. that is a pen because I, you know, you feel for that. Mm-hmm. 
sorry, because it's not intentional at all. But, you know, it's just, it's an anomaly, basically. And now the rules making it not an anomaly. But that's that's where they're trying to clear up the game. That IFAB is trying to clean up the game and trying and to make it as fair it as possible. But yeah, they, they they it's tough though, Brian, because I think if they had done something else, if they had come up with an alternative to this rule, like I remember, uh, like uh, the one of the pundits in the week who was talking about um, how they, we could implement a one meter rule, where if you shoot from uh, within one meters, it can't be a penalty because it's too close. But then. If your hand is here, chief, and I'm one, I'm f- f- like 500 uh, millimeters from you, and my your hand is here, it's still a handball, and I'm t- uh, your hands raised above your shoulder. It, it has to still be a handball, like the Rabio penalty this weekend. It still has to be a handball because what is your hand doing here? Even though I blasted right here in front of you, you know what I mean. So mm. it's it, it's tough, and whatever alternative would still have the uh, 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 naysayers towards it. So. Yeah, I mean, it's they tough. they have to come up with the rules, and they do have former players. Luis Figo is on IFAB. I don't. Yeah, like I wouldn't listen to pundits or whatever when it comes to rules because Ian Wright might say something else and Saul Campbell or real Ferdinand will say something else. Um, but yeah, and in terms of uh, the one thing I f- to close up on this for real this time, <laughs> the one thing I'd say about refs and IFAB is that they're sort of cloaked humans. Um, you, do you know who runs IFAB? Not do you know who makes the decisions for the Premier Leagues? Do you know? Referees, they submit their match reports to, I don't know, Premier League or... Um, the FA, yeah. The FA. Mm-hmm. And there's no accountability, apart from maybe you get dropped to a championship game. But if you've had a stinker, then there needs to be some sort of, hey, like, I fucked up. So yeah, I get the protection, but come on. You look at refs like Michael Oliver and and, and Mike, Mike Dean. Those guys don't need protection at all. Yeah, Those they guys, uh, they, they, they're pretty confident in, yeah. in themselves. It's like moving away from handball rule, just on officiating and, and them giving uh, comments after games. They definitely get a lot of protection, um, but also we need to ask ourselves, does our football culture, does the football culture allow for refs to have, um, to have sort of a voice in the media? Because I think our cultural opinions and sometimes opinions that might sometimes are probably unfounded, but you you are so confident in your opinions that you will give. And also the language and the respect and also just ch- like, 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 you know, we, we speak about like how other sports, you know, implement your micing up the refs and all that. But the culture in football, challenging every decision a ref makes, even a throw You've seen how many times they throw in. I think where it's more just <laughs> challenging, just like a player, a coach. Mm-hmm. You have a post-match press conference, mm-hmm. a referee comes it's, in. It's, it's definitely possible. And you can ask him some questions. It's definitely possible. But also, it's something that could go on forever. But also, it's something where how honest can the refs be without also protecting themselves? Because at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. And the organization, uh, like just in the Premier League, the, 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 referee, the referee panel... They will obviously try and protect themselves because on there you have former refs, you have the, the Mike Rileys of this world who, who were refing not, not so long ago. So they will always try and protect themselves. So how honest will they even be? Because even in coaches, coaches bullshit the crap out of us, man. It's bullshit as well. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. but I mean, shout out to Howard Webb, the goat. Love you and yeah. the Mark Clattenburg Howard as well. Howard Webb, the man he United was a goat. On. He was a goat. Who's this? Mark Clattenburg. Yeah, until nah. until until he he, he sent off uh, uh, Fernando Torres and Ivanovic against United, and then I hated him. Nah, nah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like moving on to the actual 
football. It's pretty um, decent weekend, and we I know we wanted to touch on the the Liverpool game, um, Liverpool versus Arsenal, and just to start off there i actually saw this tweet from a journalist that i follow and it was i think it was on the saturday or s- or monday morning mm-hmm. where he was like arsenal he thinks that arsenal is going to be the closest team to push liverpool for the title and i just thought oh my days uh, you couldn't be more wrong but i get i can get why Pete, where he's coming from but nah like arteta as Good as a coach, he might be or copycatting, and he copycats uh, Mourinho. Not Mourinho, sorry, Guardiola's tactics with the inverted fullbacks and stuff. I've seen him do that, and in the game, he maybe it was his ideas. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> never know. In the game, he started off with a, a back four, and then he changed. I think he tried to play some mind games, and he went back to a, a back three, and he didn't really do much because he still had no possession. So I don't know what you're trying there, but all in all, I think nah, you're not gonna you're not gonna push nothing with El Nene and Chaka in the midfield. I'm mm. sorry. And hence they're trying to get the Awa and Pate over the line. But you just on the comment of of Arsenal pushing or being the closest pushes to 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 Liverpool. Firstly, respect to Liverpool, man. They are you know I had hoped you know they'd start off with a bit of a hangover from winning the league. And you know pressure of being the uh, the top dogs in the Premier League, but Klopp has just put some other mentality in those boys. Um, but on Arsenal, no, 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 they finished eighth last season. Exactly. And they obviously they they played well against City, but they beat a City side who was I don't know how focused they were on and the FA Cup with the Champions League coming up, and they were already out of the Sorry to the cut League. you off, yeah? but City thrashed them. On the return to Project Restart, so <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can't, you can't take one isolate one result and you know formulate your opinion on that. So big ups, firstly, big ups to Arteta for learning from that defeat after restart, uh, after the restart, because they got thrashed, as you say, and then they went to Wembley and masterclass. I mean, they outplayed, um, and when I say outplayed, out, I, I, I want to say tactically yes. because they sat back definitely and they. They pumped those balls to the left-hand side to Aubameyang, and he scored magnificent goals. And obviously, David Luiz had one of his best games in an Arsenal shirt, obviously, in that game as well. And um, he did well. So kudos to him on that. And then obviously, Chelsea, we had two players get injured. I mean, and then they had Aubameyang, who was the best player on the field on the day, without a doubt. So it was just... (laughs) But for me to to put them, just because they beat uh, Fulham, the worst team in the league, I think, close to West Brom. And then they also beat uh, uh, West Ham, who was actually quite close to getting one over them. And for me, like, uh, you see the team that they put up. Bellerin, okay, decent, uh, it's all right. But then you bring in Louise back instead of Gabriel, who played both the two Premier League games. I wonder what's happening with, with, with Saliba there. But he's young. Like he's, he's young, he's, but he's, I mean... 20. But the thing is, if you, if you, if you can... Rob Holding, props to him for, for coming back into... To 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 ages in terms of starting every game now, but just Arsenal, Arsenal. I'm sorry, but Shaka, as you say, Shaka, Laka, who's who's inconsistent, Oba, <laughs> Oba, who's 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 world class, but also out on the out on 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 the left is not probably his best position. Yeah, man, they're okay, but 
for me, it will be a test how they carry on in the season and how they will be in January. Because mm. Arsenal can start well. They started well with Wenger days. I remember when they were first in the league under Wenger. Those days or something, <laughs> exactly. yeah. And they still flopped. So, but Arsenal, top four will be an amazing achievement. Uh, taking from eighth to top four, brilliant. But them uh, being a top, no. But Liverpool game was great. Um, um, they defended, unfortunately. They sat back for a team that is supposedly challenging you know, it was up, up, no, obviously it's top again, two. Sorry, again, um, just for, I might sound like a bit of a hater, but the direction and the philosophy of Arteta, and I don't see against, yes, every team that is better than the opposition is going to control the possession. That does not make you, that does not make you a tactical genius. We dominate the possession against Brighton, well, not against Brighton actually, but let's say against Crystal Palace, it doesn't make you a tactical genius, but when you go against, I'm telling you now, testament to Mourinho, even Ole, you're not going to, sitting back and, you know, finding nuanced ways to sort of defeat opposition, whether Aubameyang's targeting Luis, not Luis, sorry, Aspilicueta, it's not always going to work. I love how you always compete with Chelsea. It's not always going to work. So, yeah, I want to I want to see more from Arteta because that was... Uh, but as you said, they I think they showed Liverpool a bit too much respect. As you seen, have you seen with Leeds? They they went at Liverpool and they was, those guys were sweating a little bit. And Leeds, I mean, you look at that centre back partnership. That 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 one of the guys hasn't even played for Leeds, let alone centre back in how many years? So I mean, Klitsch in the like, come on, we can. That's why I always say, Liverpool are there to be to be threatened, like. Go at them. And I'm afraid, I'm looking at now and actually wanted to write about it. The the third, or let's say the third, the second and third best team in the league. I think Liverpool are still the best. But City, I feel like, of coming to, onto United side these days, they're not improving. And I think we can, I, I think it might be a shock to, to the top three, or let's say the three places um, left in the top four this season. I think it'll be surprising to see who's going to finish in them. Yeah. So, to, on the point of, of them showing Liverpool a bit too much respect, Shaka was one of the first things that he mentioned after after the game where um, he said, you know, we were too scared. Or It's either he mentioned in the game or during the game they picked it up, but he mentioned that we would sit, they were sitting back and they were scared. And Liverpool, but I, I'll tell you this, from Chelsea game, watching the Chelsea game live, uh, watching Liverpool live, and obviously the Leeds, but it was early first game of the season, but against Chelsea and against Arsenal, they never let you rest on the ball, man. And it is literally man on man, and it's press. But not only man on man, because they press spaces as well, which they they do quite well. And they don't only press all the time, but they press when it's necessary. And they still hold a high line on top of that. And obviously, the high line is a press is crucial to a high line because then you will get caught out in the back. But the amount of times they get caught out, it's either they, they put the offside trap and they get the offside, or they've got a Van Dyke or a Gomez who's got the pace to, to get back. So Liverpool dominant, but um, <laughs> Manchester City. <laughs> Definitely the Leicester, the Leicester result was, you'd say a shocker, but I mean, f- as Pep said, 13 players to pick from coming into the game. They scraped past Bournemouth in the, in the Carabao Cup 2 1. Um, hey, man, but. Pep is Pep at the end of the day. He's having, 
I, I'm hoping he's gonna have some somewhat of, of of a similar season to his first season in the Premier League, where you know clearly he's just not getting what he wants from the team. But then they just dropped 65 million on on Ruben Diaz, and no matter how many people would like to think that you know he has another flop of a centre back coming, Ruben Diaz is a decent player. He was part of that um, Nations League winning Portugal side, so they, he's definitely no slouch, and he's big, he's tall. He's a company in terms of size, but is he technically, is he, you know, is he um, situationally aware as company, etc.? I don't know. But City, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them to United, unfortunately. <laughs> I wouldn't put them at that but level I think, sorry, because you guys are further down. Um, no, 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 no. I think even looking at the Leicester game, um, you look at that back four of Walker, mm-hmm. um, let's say Diaz, Laporte, and Mendy. I feel like it's still not that great. Rodrigo hasn't really kicked on. I guess he's a neat, tidy player, but mm, a bit, he was a bit moaning after the 5-2 defeat, which I think is a bit ridiculous. Fernandinho legs is gone. So I think, yeah, I think if we can make some purchases, particularly from a player from Germany and maybe a left-back from Porto and a free agent from Uruguay, then I think, you know, we're... We're we're good to go. We we've imp- we're improving the team a lot, um, but yeah, City. I think I st- I still think City will finish second. Um, they were pretty good, and the other team that might or let's say might not finish in the top four, who drew this weekend is uh, Chelsea. I think, and I'll just um, jabs. put my thoughts first or my jabs first. Embarrassing, embarrassing. And it's the defenders. The defenders are making, as Lampard said, individual mistakes. You're not going to win. You're not going to accomplish anything with error-prone players in your team. I'm sorry. Thiago Silva, Glastonbury, we're there to see what he's going to come up with. Alonso, I understand Chilwell's going to come in. But we'll see how he will adapt to, to life on the top. And you look at Christensen, Zuma, Rudiger. Mm. That defense is still there for for the taking. And Reese James, mm. cross and uh, and pray. So yeah, just you know, quickly run through that defeat. Draw. Oh, sorry, sorry, Thank sorry. You. The draw. But I mean, I, I say, I say, I say defeat because it felt like a defeat. From <laughs> no, okay. Listen, from from a Chelsea fan and. Uh, um, loyal person point of view, it felt like a frustrating draw that we should have and definitely could have won. Um, yeah, man, Lampard. Like I, I think I tweeted this in the beginning of the season um, that every starting lineup from Lampard is the season is probably going to be one of the key talking points of every game, and that is just down to purely the. Um, the inability for the fans to, 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 to predict what lineup we're going to see, what formation we're going to see. And as, as a fan who, I mean, I love Lampard. Lampard is the reason why I started supporting Chelsea and watching the Premier League. So I'm worried that he has gotten himself into a bit of a, a jam in terms of being a bit too versatile because he's someone who says he's going to be versatile and flexible and hence he got players who can play in multiple positions. But also, it now got to a point where, bro, you got to settle on, 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 on. Not 
at least a lineup, but at least a formation where you just bring players in and out of a team. And and at the moment, we kind of caught in between a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. And obviously, these uh, uh, formations are flexible with, within themselves, are quite fluid. But you, we need the players to get used to a certain system. And we spoke about this last week, but obviously, he's clearly not developed one yet. And that could be his downfall. And, and just on the West Brom game, mistakes, man. Mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. And I feel like that mistakes, those mistakes definitely come from a bit of uncertainty of what you have to do and what you need to do as a defender or as a midfielder. Because our midfielders, Kante, best defensive midfielder in the world, probably in terms of engine, in terms of uh, retaining uh, position. But he's not always going to be there when... Uh, when when we lose a ball high up, and unfortunately the positioning of our players from midfield to defence, and then when they actually have a, uh, an action to do, unfortunately in, in 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 since Lampard took over they've been making a lot more mistakes than they've ever had because even uh, under Sarri we never conceded this many goals, we never conceded this many goals, and now we can defend Lampard and I'm I'm a staunch defender of Frank Lampard as a coach and a player, but. You need to get to a point where he, he you know, because at the at, at this moment, fans are looking at him rather than the players, and the players are the ones who are actually making the physical, actual mistakes on the field. But the pl- the fans look at him and say, "Yeah, but what were you doing, putting certain guys in certain positions?" And then when they make mistakes, it's sort of ah, it's all on them. That's gonna have to stop because for Chelsea to go to be successful, we need to win, and we need to be consistent. You can't win. Like I remember Chelsea when Chelsea won. Uh, the league 2017-18 under Conte, we lost uh, the first. We lost two in the first three games. We, we beat West Ham 2-1, 2-1 defeat against Liverpool, 3-0 against Arsenal. He what did man do? He went to his formation that he knows and trusts. Back three, let's go. Put Alonso, put Moses. He went hard. What did we do? We went 13, I think, undefeated or 13 wins in a row, and we lost against Tottenham. I think Dele Alli double. But before we were consistent, we knew match in, we're going to know we're going to at least, we're going to concede minimum goals and we know we're going to have Hazard, we have ballers in the team, which is the case now. We've got ballers in the team. Pulisic, definitely Ziyech, the, uh, a huge missing point. But we've got Havertz, Mount, Jorginho, guys who can play football, technically, technically. But now if you look at tactically and physically, that's where we kind of we, we kind of slack. Because, like, just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted in how I still want to know what happened to Zuma on the weekend because he's injured. If he got injured, then it's fine. Well, I, I, I question that and you a bit back at uh, me. Yes, like because I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw reports that he had a knock, but I still haven't seen anything. Uh. <laughs> I still haven't seen anything uh, official because how do you take out Zuma and then you play Thiago debut Premier League game, 36. Obviously, he still he says all the right things, but physically, he might not be there. We never know. He works hard, but he might not be there. And then you play Christensen aside next to him who's definitely not a physical defender at all more and positional very prone a- and like you man and so, and the thing is for me we, and on top of that we've got Alonso zero pace you saw he makes mistakes because I mean Dalton Wanderers level player who performed for Chelsea his best year was that league season uh, league season uh, league winning season but he's zero pace and he got caught out badly for his mistake and then failing to recover. Because if you make a mistake, at least count on yourself physically. That's what I recover. look at, sorry, um, Carl Walker, when yeah. you look at it, when he makes a mistake. But the boy can move. He can fuck up halfway line, but... Exactly. So that's that's where we lack, man. And just overall, Lampard, I think he needs to settle on, on a system. Definitely at least 
the system. Players can move in and out, but sitting on the system. And the Spurs game, Carabao Cup as a whole, actually, will be quite crucial to, to, to his tenure as a Chelsea coach. Because if he can at least win something and put that on, on, on the board, they'll buy him time with the, with the fans and the board and, and, and Roman. So let's see, man. But disappointing, but at least we did not lose. Because if we lost that game against West Brom, who's definitely, even Slavin Bilic says his team is bad. If we lost against him, it would have been horrible. And that's what sets Chelsea and, and Man United apart. Definitely Chelsea from last season. Chelsea, this season, we've got way more grit and uh, a fight in us than last season. And we've got way more talent than what Man United has in their team. Unfortunately, which I guarantee this season, live on the podcast, Chelsea will definitely finish above United this time. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But to the last game that we want to touch on is... Um the not even touch on, but we just want to touch on. Sorry, let me stop saying touching. But Tony Khan's Tony Khan's comments, and I'm looking at his Twitter profile, and he looks like a pretty busy man. Owner um, and in charge of football analytics at the, uh, I'm assuming it's the um, Jackson Jaguars. Director of football and sporting director at Fulham. Owns True Media Sports. President CEO of AE Wrestling. So uh, I don't think I don't a- know. A W. Yeah, A. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. A W. That's that's yes. He's a very busy man, eh? Um. So yeah, like I don't know how much time he's actually putting into signing players. Cause, cause, sorry, just to, as you just reading what he does. I mean, he's in wrestling. He's in American football, and he's a football director or director of football at a Premier League club. That is a busy man, and that is a man. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about what he said on Twitter, but that is a man who probably has. A bit too much on his plate, but hey, man, he's confident. Yeah. So after the the, the Fulham Villa game, where they lost um, three 0 at home, it's pretty embarrassing performance. Terrible. And he tweeted, "I apologize to Fulham FC supporters for our performance tonight. We've looked to add a centre back since Wembley. I'm sorry we haven't, as two got COVID. We lost a free, and we thought we were close to one, but he had issues." And we had issues with the fourth centre-back. I promise players in and better efforts from the squad. Um, I repeatedly apologise for the performance. I'm sorry, everybody. We need to. We all need to do a better job. Everyone at the club um, for the past year works really hard, etc., etc. And I immediately think, boy, what do Michael Hector and who was the other defender? I think it was Tim Reid. Oh, and Adoy. Adoy. He was shocking. He's, he's been shocking like since the last time they got really And I, look I have at no idea why he's still centre-back. I look at this, I mean, just to finish off on his comments, it's pretty like, I'd say, shut up, dude. Like, you're going to cause more unrest and you're explaining why this didn't work out and this, you're just showing your incompetence. And you were part of the fuck-up from two se- or two, two seasons, seasons ago. Yeah. And the players, are st- you look at the squad of uh, Tom Kearney, um, Anguisa. Anguisa, Adoy, Kamara. Onomas, Jason Onomas, the Josh yeah, Onomas. There, and sorry. it's... These players are just not good enough. It's championship level, brother. And I mean, you might as... Those players are probably, you know, upper-class championship players, but I'm sorry, boy. And, and you know, the, the player that Khan mentioned in his tweet that failed the medical is uh, Marlon from Sao Suolo in the Serie A. If you're going to take a guy from Sao Suolo from, from Serie A and you're going to try and, and, and survive in the Premier League with him. Obviously, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek with the comment, but he already, uh, and that was their fourth 
centre-back choice that they were trying to get, and he, they failed to get him. I mean, clearly, their, their transfer department uh, needs some looking at because they still have some players who they brought in in 20, um, two seasons ago, so that's 2018 season, and they still have some of them on the books, and they failed like horribly. They, I think they had two managers that season, Ranieri and um, the Serbian from who coached Watford. I forgot his name now. So yeah, so and like and, and Parker, sorry, yeah. just I think it was a season before that when they were in the Premier League. And the Martin Yol, Martin Yol, Rene Mulis, they had like three managers. It was just, and I remember we gave them Ryan Tunnicliffe and Lionel Cole, and it was just a huge, huge. We haven't seen miss. those players ever since the game in the Premier League. Ryan Tunnicliffe, shout out to him, was playing against Luton. He was playing for Luton against United. He made yeah, it. Luton, exactly. <laughs> so like. Fulham, yeah, man, and and just just look at the style of play, like especially the the the, the defensive mistakes. Like I was listening to what Carragher and 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 and, and Neville were saying. Like they were literally they said they were lucky. Fulham were lucky that this game was followed by the Arsenal Liverpool game because they were going to analyze and break the shit down of those of uh, of the goals that they conceded. Because even when they conceded the goals, you can see Adoy and Hector busy pointing at each other like, ah, bro, like you were supposed to be there and uh, no, 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 no. And literally, there's no cohesion within the pairing or the trio because there was a back three, the trio that were playing most of the time last season. And you ask yourself like, yo. And can I, to be honest, after what Parker did in the playoff final, which I, I watched, he looked like, and the way, what he said, the way he speaks, the way he carries himself, you think, hey, man, this is a change, you know, this is the next big thing in, in football management. Vibes, <laughs> but he, he like, like, even at halftime, the camera went straight to him when they were um, at halftime. I think they were already 2 0 down halftime. And he just looked like morbid and like, oh, man, what am I going to say to these lads at, at, in the change room? And you cannot be like that as a leader of a team, of a, of a whole club, actually, as a manager. So he needs to, that's the one thing he needs to learn. He all needs to keep his head up and, and, and be, try and be positive, regardless of what you see on the field, but try and focus on the positives and try and at least get the guys motivated. Because clearly the guys technically and tactically are not there or are not at the Premier League level, but at least enthusiasm and less for the game. If people don't know what less is, less is just having the fight and, and, and the motivation to be out there. Yeah, but I look at, um, so I look at, as, as you say, Parker needs to be, you know, keep his head up. And I look at, you know, teams of the past who have come up and you look at, you just look at Slava now. Um, Grady, uh, they've got Grady, they've got Pereira and they've got players that I'm like, hmm, they've got some ballers here. They might not be ballers, but they've got some players who can do something, who can save a game. And Leeds, they've got, you know, good players like Calvin Phillips, um, Tyler Roberts, Bamford has got experience, Pablo Hernandez. They've got players, uh, Jack Harrison, got players who also, you know, can do something. And look at Fulham, Mitrovic. Who else can you name? It's 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 quite literally no one. <laughs> at least the, the season before they had at least ah Ryan Sessegnon who looks like he's even going on loan somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just think, and I find it so hard. I like to think about Steve Parker, and he, I'm sure he knows Scott. This is gonna be, <laughs> this is gonna be a a rough season, mm. very very rough. 
and and unfortunately the Premier League is 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 not is no easy thing. I mean, Tom Kearney. I remember he came in as as a captain like yeah. <laughs> last time they and got there was a, I remember there was a hu- there was a slight battle for allegiance between England and Scotland for him. Mm. And now, at <laughs> least uh, like Ariola. I mean, he's conceded how many goals? Seven goals in his first two Premier League games as as a keeper. I mean, sitting bench at PSG. I went to Madrid and sat bench. And then, oh, come on. Respect it. Seven goals in the first two games. They fire, baptism of fire right there, man. Okay, next. But we've got... Um, we're going to move back locally now because we've got some news there with Ajax Cape Town. And, and sad, sad news, really, that Ajax or... I'm not sure how it went, but Ajax Amsterdam, Ajax Amsterdam is ending their partnership with Ajax Cape Town. Apparently... We are not producing. Oh, not say. Let me not say. Apparently, apparently. we say. are not producing players that are at the IX Amsterdam level, yeah. which there is definitely some truth to it. But you know, it's it's hit off the hit like this season. I feel okay. We've got like the DSTV Premiership announcement, which is a huge positive for football in South Africa. But then you know you lost Fitz. Um, you're losing IX now. We've lost Highlands Park as well here yeah. in Timbisa. So, yeah, I mean, and I think always back to playing football manager, and I know I haven't really spoke about it on this podcast, but I fucking love football manager um, a lot. I sleep with it. And Ajax, Ajax used to always be my team. Like, if I wanted to manage in South Africa, it was my team I would always go to. Um, Rivaldo Kutsia, Jody February... They had it was just littered with talent. It was just literally like if you go to Ajax Amsterdam and it's just wonder kids galore everywhere. You don't know who's gonna play. You've got three strikers who are five stars, mm. and that was kind of the thing now. And I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen now. It's gonna be Cape Town stars. So, so that's so. Just to explain what the whole what happened. So basically, Ajax Amsterdam owned. 51% of the shares, uh, majority shareholder in Cape Town stars. Obviously, then they rebranded and, and, and they became Ajax Cape Town, following from Ajax Amsterdam. And then, yeah, that's been a 21-year relationship. That is flipping long. I mean, I, I was four years old when that relationship started. So I have only, as, as a football fan, I've only known Ajax to be Ajax. When I saw today Cape Town stars, obviously you've heard of the name, you know, in past results and whatever, but... I was like, oh, wow, Cape Town Star. I thought that was a different team. I actually, to be honest with you, wasn't quite really uh, sure that it was Ajax, uh, Amsterdam, Ajax Cape Town. So that is very disappointing. And, I mean, as you say, it's another blow in South African football. We've got we've had two clubs who have been sold um, uh, in the PSL to, uh, what's this, uh, Glad Africa Championship clubs, basically second division, and who are now going to port their status to the first division. And, you know, Ajax, uh, as you say, um, they've had brilliant players that have come through. Players that have, you know, graduated from Ajax Cape Town to Ajax Amsterdam. The Benny McCarthy's, you know, the Hans, I mean, Hans Fonk back in the day. <laughs> Believe it or not, from a final keeper. Um, Hans Fonk back in the day. We had, um, what's well, Stanton Lewis, who also came back very short. Uh, obviously, Tulani Serrero. But we also had recently uh, the... I've not, I'm not sure if you mentioned him, but Dean Solomons, um, who also went to Cape Town. Yeah, but I don't I, think he... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I accepted him. That's what I wanted to get to, you know. Obviously, besides the Benny McCarthy and the big names back in the day, who, you know, Stephen Pinar as well, obviously, who have made it, the, who've made the great from 
Cape Town to Amsterdam. Now, in the last, I mean, Serrero, I think it was before 10 years ago, but in the last five to 10 years ago, there hasn't been that many players who have gone in and made the first team and have stayed in the first team. Serrero, literally, I think, was the last guy to make that jump. And he, we know how his stay ended at Ajax. So it's sad, and it's also like impactful on in terms of the, the, the talent that's coming through in Cape Town. Because as someone who lived in Cape Town and uh, in the north, not so far from, from uh, Urban Warriors' uh, training ground, there's talent in that part of Cape Town. People from uh, the western Cape, outer parts of, of Cape Town, George, uh, Stellenbosch, Robertson, all those areas, they come and they first aim, particularly when they're in the PSL, to make uh, Ajax and play for Ajax. That's where the best players come from. You know, you have your Vasco da Gamas and all those clubs around Ajax, but Ajax was, you know, the pride and joy of Cape Town. Since being relegated a couple of years ago, they failed miserably to come back. This season, I think they, they lost out in the playoffs. And after doing so well, majority of the season, actually. So that is, 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 I don't think it was viable as a business opportunity for Ajax Amsterdam anymore because they're not getting the talent and then they're also not a premiership club anymore. And that is, is, is definitely something, uh, Van der Sar put it, you know, it's clearly the market is not working. And South African football, you know, we have our Percy Towers overseas, but we, it's not on the level of, of your Benis and Adam Okwenas and Quinton Fortunes and even Mbazo, uh, uh, Mabizela went to play for Tottenham. Those days, those things are not happening anymore, unfortunately. And that's when Ajax was interested in the market in South Africa. Mm. You know, we won FCON 96. We were in the mix. Now, it's not the case anymore. I mean, we are over the moon when we have players go overseas. But also, we have a lot of players who don't even start in South Africa. They go straight to the academies overseas. And, you know, that is something different because even those players are not at the big leagues. We have a couple of guys at Leicester and Southampton and the 23s or whatever, but most of those guys are in your Norways and your mm. Scandinavian countries and, and, and your Russias, your Turkeys. It's tough, bruh. And, and, and for me, South African football definitely has a part to play in that. And I'm talking about South African administrators and clubs because we should be setting our players up to leave, but we also don't want to because we're also caught at the whole thing of trying to grow our game. And if you let your best players leave, you're not going to retain fans and, and, and you're not going to grow the game internally. So it's that battle, but we surely okay. should have our crop. Uh, I want to touch on a couple of things you said there. And firstly, it's the most recent thing is as players leaving. I, I, I get that, but I think that is a great advertisement for your game in another way. I think if you look at the MLS, who started off pretty shit, to be honest, and... You look at the players, even these young players coming out, though. Um, Gio Reyna came out early. Tyler um, Tyler Adams came out late, I think. And there's a more and more... McKenna and all those guys. Yeah, there's more and more um, USA internationals. And it might not... You're not going to the league to watch them, but you're like, hmm, there's some decent players coming out of this league. It's not a bad... To, it's not bad to watch. But, but, Brian, as you say that, though, but how many of them have M M uh, MSL, uh, MSL, MLS caps and appearances? Because not that many of them. Most of the, like, the Pulisic's of this world, they skip early. Yeah, but then early if you on focus on the over. other players like um, Joseph Martinez and Acosta for, for DC United, those who almost even went to PSG, those are players that I think, you know, you hear about, the, I heard, I read about on Random, on the Athletic, about Acosta. And I went to go check him out. So I think 
the more um, you let these players go and f- and mm. and flourish, I think it could be it could be a great thing. And the other thing I wanted, or two more things, sorry, is just the history, as you talk about um, Ajax and then Cape Town Stars. And I think I like that about the you know the English game a lot is even the small clubs they have these like hundred yeah histories and they're so proud of it mm. and we kind of have that with the Atlanta Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs those are clubs with a lot of history but if you switch in and erasing histories of mm. of clubs like I don't think but they start 99 years old exactly. before they centenary that is one thing you can you can okay you can buy it but you can't buy history you can't it's manufactured it's, yeah it's 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 always there and it's always something that supporters can be proud of mm. and the last thing is as you speak about affiliates, I mean, I think it would be pretty cool to have a, a Manchester United. Yeah. You know, you s- you s- as, as you've seen with like Man City, they've sent, they got uh, Torrent to to manage um, New York City, who's mm-hmm. now at Flamengo, Patrick Vieira. It would be cool to, uh, um, let's see, Michael Carrick's taking his badges. Let me send him to Man United, Pretoria. <laughs> Man United Pretoria that is shocking <laughs> surely, they, surely they don't have to change the name though <laughs> so I was actually so shocked about Cape Town Stars because I always thought you know maybe they uh, like this is shocking on my part but for some reason I thought you know it was always Ajax and then they just became Ajax Cape Town from Ajax Amsterdam but anyway but you know for the fact that they were Cape Town City they changed the name because that's a it's a bit. I mean, it's 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 not it's not um, New York, Manchester City. It's yeah. <laughs> it's New York City and it's Auckland City. But I mean, you, you can't know? have like, <laughs> let's say, Super Sport United, or, or let's say, Sundowns. Like Mamelodi United yeah. or Mamelodi <laughs> Manchester <laughs> or something like that. Like that would that would not that would no no no. But I, I definitely that like. But also, you you need to ask yourself: Is that is our game? As you say, you know, it's an advertisement. You know, having players go overseas and, and impressing because that's I'm sure that is one of the reasons why Amsterdam invested because Amsterdam, I mean, they have they are not short of 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 of, of, of talent coming through in the in the Netherlands. Everyone wants to and play the for nice thing, Ajax. Nice thing about Ajax is they, as you say, they, they, there's no shortage of talent, mm-hmm. but not just in 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 the Netherlands. Every young player around there, like Aldevaret, I don't know why I keep mentioning him on this podcast, but, like, yeah. <laughs> but they just what they know. If I go to Ajax, Schneider and them all, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm through. I'm I'm, mm. I'm through. So 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 just that. So but also like just on on the on, on the history, it's sad, but it's it's something for me. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. Firstly, but I need to put it out there. But also, like a club like TTM, they are growing fast and they are trying to you know bring football pride and joy and elite football to. Uh, 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 Vanda and, 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 and northern part of South Africa where they, you know, Toyando, you always get f- packed crowds in, you know, Black Leopards games or whatever. And if you have a team that has like a, 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 a Sukazi who's the owner of, of TTM who's baller, no, yeah, I think it's, it's, I'm hoping is the TTM owner or I think it's TS Galaxy, one of the two, but the um, TTM owner who's a baller who is trying to, you know, grow the club clearly. What do you, you mean know, baller as in good in football no, or rich? No, as in he's a rich, rich, <laughs> okay. rich. They've got the money, yeah. So that's why they, they're actually able to, I mean, Bitvest, the, oh, the TTM bought Bitvest. Bitvest is obviously a huge company in South Africa, but they could not afford to run a football club anymore. So they had to sell up and, you know, peep, these owners aren't 
cheap, whatever. They're rich owners, but also I'm scared the fact that, you know, owners are coming to football, like we've seen in England, and with, like, the lower league clubs and how they run into debt. That's where I'm scared about, like, having these owners that can just come in and, and buy. Because, you know, they're going to then chase the big, the big players, big wages. Because, you know, it's easier to coach a, to own a team in the second division, clear Africa. And then you're going to come into uh, the DSTV Premiership and you need to impress. You need to, you're probably going to want to, you know, you see, you're playing Pirates, you're going to spend money on players. Like, look at Chippa. Chippa United, we laugh at Chippa United. Because they go through seven, six, five to at least seven coaches per season on average. That is ridiculous. And that's an owner who, this is my club. Chippa Bengezi, this is my club, Chief. I'm paying the money. I'm paying everyone here. I'm going to run this club how I want. And, and, and until the, premier, uh, the Premiership and then PSL stand up to that, but that will also need for them to be great and for them to be on, on stable footing. Because unfortunately, they also want the money from the owners. And they also want, you know, invest, investors to invest in the Premiership. So, we, we as football fans, we want to see, you know, as you say, history and a club being 100 years old one day. But at the end of the day, football needs money to be successful and run, uh, like uh, in, uh, be like a sport that is, is, is aspired to. So unfortunately, South Africa is caught in that. Bill. And I think, you know, I saw uh, a journalist mention, you know, SA Rugby, I think it was uh, on, on News 24, I forgot his name, Batsbu. Uh, who said, you know, that the, the SA Rugby is heading some, somewhere similar because they, SA Rugby necessarily doesn't have the money to, you know, sponsor the unions and run the unions. So the unions now might start looking at private ownership. And then once that happens, you know, certain rules are going to be relaxed because they need the money in the game. So, yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. I'd love for somebody to buy Border Bulldogs. Just to put that out there, please. <laughs> I feel like we could have, a, as they love to say, a fallen giant there. Some some great talents there. Exactly. Um, sp- speaking about rugby and missing talent or missing stuff, we can talk about the young Kurt Lee. Our answer, yeah. Missed his flight for the Bok camp. Rassi Rasmus saying... This is going to set him back for a long time. Future selection. And I'm just so curious to know wh- what he missed his flight for. I mean, I can't imagine myself being called up to the Springbok squad. I'm not sleeping. I'm waking up at, f- I don't know when the flight was, but I'm waking up at 5 a.m. Like, you know, your African's parents tell you when you're flying somebody, your flight's at 5, you got to get there at 9 a.m. to be prepared. I'm there, bro, early, waiting for the flight. And it's just, I guess it's a it's a lesson for, for the young man, and, and all all youngsters out there. Yeah, to you know, professionalism is very very important. Um, but we look at the the rugby that happened the past weekend, and I agree that there was a lot of uh, skepti- skepticism around Jake White and the Bulls, um, but you know they looked. They look very good against the Sharks. Mm-hmm. I think the Sharks have uh, they've lost some some players. Andre Oosthuizen was playing this weekend for, I think it was the Harlequins. So, yeah, but it's still the first game. I understand that everyone's still warming up to the idea. Well, let's not say the idea, but warming up to playing rugby, contact, contact and everything. But it was a pretty open game. A lot of tries. 
So, you know, you can't complain. I just wish that I could be in the stadium watching some live mm. matches. I'd really take to watch live anything. And, I mean, I'm not talking about Fives football there by Hatfield. <laughs> but I want to watch, like, I feel like I've taken for granted for so many years. And I feel that now, when we're allowed back in stadiums, I'm going. And it's not just cricket. Yeah, no. I completely agree with you on that. I mean, just the whole experience of being in a stadium is something I think we, we particularly people, you know, who have, who watch a lot of, I think particularly you and I, we watched a lot of rugby growing up and a lot of sports at stadiums growing up, cricket and rugby particularly. But also, like, I think we definitely took for granted just the vibe and, and I worked at, like, a particular soccer stadiums. And when you were there as a fan and you are chill, the vibe is definitely something we took for granted because we knew, ah, you know, there'll be another one and we will see it on TV. But definitely lockdown and, and COVID has definitely awakened us. Uh, but just to go back on Kurt, the answer. And this is something, <laughs> you know, as someone who works with youngsters, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, and, you know, the fact that the, the SA Rugby and Springboks and Rasi were unsure why he missed the flight, um, you know, blaming it on, on some miscommunications, it's sh- it's a bit disappointing because he worked so hard to impress uh, in the Sharks-Bulls game, four Bulls and, and impress very much so, you know, for someone moving from sevens to, to 15s rugby and kicking ass, you know, it was it was amazing to see, but then to go after all your hard work, the easiest thing to do is make a flight. It's quite sad, and I hope, obviously, that, you know, there's no um, hectic situa- uh, circumstances of why you missed a flight. But if, if, it's not, if it's nothing hectic, that's just even more disappointing, man. Because there's your opportunity, something you've worked and dreamt for for the longest time, to be in a camp with every Springbok in the country. And just to choose, and a 24-year-old, you would have absorbed a whole of a lot of stuff, even if you didn't play or make the final Springbok squads. It's disappointing. Um, but going back on the rugby, <laughs> Bulls, man. Ah, like you know, Bulls. As a Bulls fan, we've never played, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we've never played this open, offensive, uh, expansive rugby. And to see that on Saturday was amazing. And we see a black line, and I say that correctly, black line. Killing it like that in Pretoria, and I say Pretoria is a Blue Bulls team where you have just speed and 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 flair in your in your backline, man. Yo, that is amazing to see. And let's hope, you know, as you say, Jack White, that impact that he could have at the Union, it's amazing. It's a, let's let's see let's see where it goes. Um, I'm not sure if how much involvement he's gonna have in the Curry Cup squads, but hopefully. Those players I played uh, in the Super Fans Saturday will get an opportunity to kick some ass and then and some more ass in, in the Curry Cup and just bring some silverware back to the Loftus. But I like, I mean, I mean, as the most successful union in the country, when last did you win the Curry Cup? When last did you win Super Rugby? It's time. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I look at this season especially and the Sharks looked really good. We all look like the best team in South Africa by a mile. And, of course, there's a lot of players who are injured, like Fasi and Ngosi. But, you know, I'm not too sure. I mean, you look at the the, the back line, Le Bok, Werner Koch was at wing. 
don't know if that's what they pursuing to do, but he's a savage boy, so winning though. He's, he, no, no, he's no, got no, some no. flair and pace there. And then JP Peterson, Jeremy Ward, he's still got um so it looks like I'm <sighs> captain. Yeah. Mm. It seems like not sure. But you know, as I say it's one game. Yeah. We'll see what will happen. One game first in six months at yeah. least. So it's it's exciting. Just uh, I'm glad to see South African rugby. You know the New Zealand and and, and Australian leagues, <sighs> whatever. You know, as as rugby fans, people woke up and watched that. But uh, as a South African rugby fan, I'm just glad to see our Brasso uh, back on the park. And let's see where it goes, man. Uh, South Africa, I think they've confirmed or very close to confirming their participation in the rugby championship. So. Let's hope, you know, these these matches and Springbok camps will prepare the gents, you know. I mean, as World Cup champs, we need to go out and represent. We can't go flop and finish third in the rugby or finish fourth in the rugby championship. We can't. I'm no, sorry. Not again. Not behind <laughs> Australia. We can't. We cannot go from top of the world making flippin' chasing what? Chasing the sun. What is that? I think it's yeah. chasing the sun documentaries and out here. Then we go flank and, and, and flop in the next uh, tournament we play. So... Uh, Rassi and, and the head coach and, and, and Stick and Jadila Stick and them have a lot of work ahead of them. Uh, let's see what, what they produce this weekend. Uh, I think it's the North versus the South matches that they're going to try out this weekend. So let's see what, you know, that would be interesting. I don't know if it's on Supersport. Uh, it has to be on Supersport. Yeah, Hopefully yeah. it's going to be on Supersport. But also how much do we want to put into all that? Because it's, it's an intra-squad match and, you know, six months... Um, Without action for most of the for most of the guys, because I don't think there's any European players coming down. So, it's how how much you know how much as as rugby expert that you are, how much emphasis would you put into particularly performances of? I wouldn't say youngsters because youngsters, if you perform against OGs, you you it's definitely good. But how much would you put into the performances of like the guys who are on the fringes of you know World Cup squad and etc. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll. I think it'll be a much like the New Zealand one, where it's a pretty open game. But I think again, it's it's that their game happened more later in in their season. I think now it's a bit different. I think it's just going to be you know when you're playing thirds versus seconds, it's going to be that type of thing. And there are players who wanna, you know, yeah, you know, they want to impress. So I think there is there is going to be that that sort of element. Mm. But yeah, I just think it's going to be a runabout. And, and just to show the flexibility or, and and the 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 opportunity that the coaches are giving, Curly Curly wasn't in 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 the running for these squads, and he literally only made it, and he changed the the, the coaching staff's mind from one game's performance against the Sharks. So I mean, it's definitely opportunity. You know, uh, unfortunately, like the likes of Fassi and them are, are unavailable through injury. But it's I'm interested in more of who. Step up and show what they got, you know, on 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 that on that international level. If you want to I don't know it. who's gonna really though break. I feel like we're gonna see chances and then back in. Yeah. Just Even I think uh, Rassi, and I don't know why Rassi's speaking so much because he's not the coach. But he's the main man. That's why <laughs> the coach <laughs> he, needs to step he, out of the shadow. Nah, I'm sorry, but for me, the fact that they moved him upstairs, he was already up there, and I know that. But the fact that they 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 sort of giving him the limelight and to be the, I think he's still in charge overall. I think he's got a head coach now, but he's still, and he's still the manager of. But now he's obviously moved on to under 19 rugby as well. 
but he is overseeing everything. And I think that's actually a bit better because we have someone who has got all the knowledge but might not necessarily have the energy and the list to, to you know, be out and coach guys every day, but he's got the knowledge and he did. He, he literally set up the plan for us to dominate the World Cup and be the best at the World Cup. And you can't lose that just because now we want to get a new coach because I think that's what we, we've, we've done in the past where Jake right left now, okay, Peter, come, let's do a business. Peter comes, wins, I think, all nine uh, rugby champions. And after that, we were dead for a couple of years. So you need to, like, the, the, the mastermind behind everything, and uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Rassi was definitely one of the masterminds behind our success last year. He needs to be in the system, and I love the fact that he's upstairs, but he still can tell. Uh, I'm not sure, please remind me the, the head coach's name, because I don't even know. <laughs> I'm only seeing Rassi. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Nibana, Nibana, yeah. something like that. Yes, yes. So he, I, I think he still probably reports to Rassi, and that's the relationship that needs to be maintained. He will go out there and implement what he as a coach does, but he also learn from the best. Yeah, and I was just looking at the the, the squads for the the um, the Stormers and Lions game, and it brought me back to uh, Tim Sweel. And I remember this guy oh, Tim. playing, I think he was playing for Weinberg or Sachs, yeah. and I used to go around watching his videos in high school. I, th- I thought he was the... The best, the future, and that always happens. And then Damon Phillips came, and I was like, "Okay, this is the future." But I'm really excited to to see other players also, you know, put their name forward, like Gianni Lombard and Iovia, who we've seen obviously live, live back in the day. Yeah, well. and it was a good cricketer as well, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's back. It's another. Another sport back, and I'm just excited. I'm a bit disappointed the MSL couldn't come back. I think I was involved in it. So uh, that's just from a personal point of view. <laughs> yeah, I disappointed mean, that it's been cancelled or postponed. Till I think I can't even remember if I was involved in the first one. I was, yeah, I remember. No, I don't think clearly. I was in the first one. Yeah, no, I, I, I was with. Um, fortunate enough to be with the Cape Town Stars. Oh, Cape Town Stars. Ugh, what are they called Ketan again? Ketan Blitz. Ketan Blitz. Jeez, that was horrible. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> people who know me. Um, but yeah, Ketan Blitz, I was fortunate enough to be there uh, and, and be a part of the first one. For me, uh, it, it makes sense. Um, unfortunately, you know, there won't be fans um, anytime soon in stadiums, particularly in South Africa. Um, so it makes sense. It, it financially, I don't think it was viable to, to, to host a tournament like that. Um, it was going to be on Super Sport, which would have been uh, cool. Definitely, probably better production as well, but it just doesn't make sense. And and at the moment, there's so much going on in in, in South African cricket. I think we'd rather focus on our domestic scene before we we start inviting international, um, like international, uh, like how can, how can I put this? journeyman because that's what most of the T20 players are. They're journeymen. They play Caribbean T20, Pakistan Super League. They're all over the the show. So for me, like I'd rather you know get the domestic scene running. Um, which is, I think, <laughs> actual Prince might have let slip last last a couple of weeks ago that it's going to start early November. So that's something to look forward to. I'm not sure what tournament will be first up, uh, three day, um, the four day or the one day, but we definitely do know that there will be a T20 tournament, um, domestic tournament next year in preparation for the um, T20 World Cup. So yeah, I understand your disappointment, but also there's a disappointment, obviously, we wanted... You uh, uh, top level cricket to come back as soon as possible, and 
you know, four day, no matter how much as, as enthusiasts in, in uh, uh, cricket we are, but you know, four day, it's, it's hardly televised. Okay, it hasn't been televised in years. And you know, um, it's something that it, uh, for me though, as as a, as a cricketer, not a cricketer, as a cricket fan, <laughs> no, I'm not a cricketer. <laughs> but as a cricket fan, I would not like be unhappy if to be stick if in the four day comes up first. Um, because I, I I think I when I was working at the stadium, and I just remember a four day match would be playing While literally five <laughs> min- five meters from my desk, yeah. and I wouldn't watch even. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes of but, it. But you see, you just need to get invested and invest uh, uh, yourself in a team. And just, but I think, just imagine that now. But now this will be happening where there's not much cricket in the, around the world. There's definitely not much sport around the world. Um, cricket besides IPL and, and women's uh, New Zealand, I think it was New Zealand, Australia. There's not much cricket out there in the world at the moment. So it'll definitely be a plus. And I think there'll definitely be more interest uh, for us, there'll be interest in the youngsters that will be coming through. Um, we've got a couple of SA Under-19 players who are playing and who are training with franchise teams at the moment. So it'll definitely be like with the rugby, seeing a new breed of, of, of youngsters coming through, which is always something as fans that we want. So yeah, it'll be Tando. great, man. <laughs> exactly. See what you can do. <laughs> it'll be great. So shout out, just if you're shouting out, shout out to a couple of, of boys the Dolphin side who are... Lifan Tanzi and 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 Andile Mukhokane, proper proper talented uh, kids there, who will definitely make an impact uh, for for whew, for for the Durban sides. Um, but speaking, of, I remember um, working at the T20, the find the T25 finals, and there was that Zim kid, Madavira. Madavira Wesley, yeah. Is he playing for Zim yet? He he, he played for he captain the under 19 side. Um, no, I'm like he was former captain, but he played definitely uh, in the World Cup under 19 side. He is gonna be a Zim player. He only literally just went to study at St Charles, and obviously live as a boarder. But he, they, those boys, obviously with Zim cricket, but dodgy in terms of where they are in, in 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 ICC and World Cricket. But those players, and and that's where uh, Zimbabwe doesn't mind. Like compared to South Africa, where we know call pack and all those issues, but Zimbabwe love sending their players. Obviously, because I don't think their cricket uh, scene is that great. They love sending their, their kids, particularly, to easier to send them to to Zim, yeah, I mean, uh, to Durban. Then they get to the go to the best schools and they make it in South Africa. So let those proper kids though, like they are talented. Yeah, I mean, I saw him and I was like, this boy is gonna be a very good cricketer. He's a bowler, fielder, and a batter. Does everything. But yeah, this is w- this is what we've got for, I guess, season two of the Staff Podcast. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Please subscribe, follow, whatever it is, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want, it's there. And tell a friend. Um, we'll be back next week. We're not 100% what day, but we will be back. Cheers. <laughs> so...